Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Everybody, wow! Before we get started, you're you're never gonna be able to guess what's about to happen. We're gonna tell you some stuff before the episode. It's incredible, shocking, even shocking to the world. Breaking uh, barriers, yep. Uh, blazing trails in the world of podcasting, keeping you on intro. your toes. Uh, yes. Listen, if you follow us on social media, you probably already know this, but we have a couple of new T-shirts. First of all, we have a very limited edition Jeopardy t-shirt. If you don't know, we were featured on Jeopardy. It's not a big deal. Picture me and Jenny both flipping our hair. (laughs) But I'm screaming while I do it. Yes. Uh, So we thought it would be really fun to make a t-shirt with the Jeopardy question, or rather answer. Including the typo. Including the typo and everything. It's going to be up for pre-order just for a little over a week uh, through February 8th. So that's very fun. Scoot on over there if you want it. It's going to be up and it's going to be gone. So you won't be able to get it after February 8th. And second of all, Jenny, Mm -hmm. this might be my favorite shirt of ours of all time. Like, I don't mean to like out of control. Right. You can't you can't sort of like order your children uh, in, in, you know, any kind of favoritism, I guess. But if I did have to. I think I would pick this one. Shane Gaillard. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name properly, Shane. Um, but either way, you are an incredible artist. Jenny and I talked to Shane and we were like, hey, there's this amazing song written by Jenny Owen Youngs. And there's a lyric that goes, Jenny, do you want to tell them how the lyric goes? Oh, well, it goes like, it's a snake. It's a snake. It's a great big snake. And we were like, we have this like idea for how that might play out on a shirt. And Shane made us that shirt and it is fucking gorgeous. Excuse me for cursing right up here at the top, but I'm just so excited about it. It's up now uh, for you to pre-order. As soon as they are printed, they will be shipping. Uh, and you should definitely go on over there and get one if you're anything like me or Jenny, because wow. Uh, no. You can find our yeah. store at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on shop and you can find us over there. Hey, speaking of incredibly exciting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible news, everyone. Next week, our interview with Mark Blucas will be in your feeds what? on our off week. Yeah, you're welcome. Get ready. Buckle up. Round up all the butterscotch in your house and all the Wonder Bread and make some roll-ups <laughs> and chow down on those while you enjoy such a lovely chat we had with such a lovely man. Yo, bonus points for any of you who send us selfies of listening to the Mark Blucas interview while eating slices of white bread. Just saying. <laughs> Or butterscotch product. Yes. Be or nice. your or your favorite Werther's originals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to take us from this joyous occasion of Mark Lucas's interview and bring us into the land of spooky news, but I must. It is my duty. Here we go. Spooky 
Okay, so listen, I want to just give a little warning up at the top that I'm going to be talking about some cows and they're not going to be alive. No. So I know. And I and I, here's the thing. So I'm really sensitive. A lot of you send me incredible spooky news stories. By the way, if you want to send me spooky news, you can do that. Send me an email to bufferingthevampiresslayer at gmail.com. This email came from Marissa A. And it was not the first email I got about this cow phenomena, but I, I didn't share them at first because I didn't want to talk about cows who are not alive. I like when cows are alive. But Marissa's email, Jenny, was very compelling because here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. So um, at the end of last year in Oregon, five cows were discovered and they had been entirely drained of blood. Okay. So gross. I know. I'm sorry. It's spooky mm. news. I don't know what to tell you. I ignored the story. Don't want to talk about it. But part of the story that was even spookier was that there were no footprints anywhere near mm. these cows. Okay. Now here's why and I'm choosing to bring it in to our podcast is because Marissa shared with me that in the 1970s, there were thousands of cases just like these across 21 states. In some of the instances, these cows, all of which were completely they had no blood. The cows have a lot of blood, okay? And this is so bizarre. A lot of instances, scavenger animals and birds refuse to even touch, go near the bodies of these cows. Um, also, there were many cases where the footprints of the cows were fully visible because it had rained, there was mud, still no human footprints, uh, no footprints no. of any kind. And to top it all off, this is now in the 70s we still are, the Washington County Sheriff uh, tried to take pictures uh, and couldn't take pictures of these cows. Okay, because he tried to take a picture and there was no contrast. So then they adjusted the settings of the camera. They took pictures again and still it came out no contrast. You could not see the cow. The sheriff was quoted as saying, I can't explain it. I'm not even going to try. So uh, that this sounds more like extraterrestrial news yes, to me. Yes, and and actually the bent of uh, the story that I that I read and got all these details from came from the Colorado Springs Independent, um, and it's great. The story is written by Heidi Beetle, and uh, the core of the story is about the investigation of an organization called MUFON Mutual UFO Network. They have a deputy director of their animal mutilation investigations, and they have. Been looking sure. into this um uh, a lot because that is i think the common theory uh among many people aliens yikes yeah well sometimes blood goes away sometimes blood rushes in. I was and really hoping you were going to go with that transition, just so you know, so thank you. <laughs> and speaking of which, here are your results from last episode's Sexual Attention Awards. I am shocked and appalled, and I'm not mad, but I am disappointed to report that Xander and Riley and their boyfriend fight only took 11% of the vote, putting them in fourth place. It's very disappointing. I'm actually, listen, I know you don't like when we're disappointed in you, but I am actually disappointed in the vote spread of last week's Sexual Attention Awards. I really am. It's like, it's like you're being willfully disobedient. I agree. We are your mother and father. <laughs> and as long as you live in our podcast, <laughs> you will at least consider our well-constructed arguments uh, when casting your votes. Anyway... 
In third place with 14% of the vote, it's Riley and the Beret Boys. In Now, this is what really, yeah. in my opinion, is a bunch of bullshit. With only 18% of the vote, uh-huh. intern Ben and Riley, arguably the hottest coupling the show has seen so far, <laughs> or rather not seen, uh, they only took 18% of the vote, second place. Boo, shame on you. <laughs> uh, and with 57% of the vote, Tara and Willow looking at the stars together took first place. Are you happy? Is this what you wanted? I just, Obviously, because it's what you voted for. But come on! Yeah, that's the thing is, like, we understand. We're two queer women. We're, we're leading a podcast conversation about sexual tension. We know. We love Tara and Willow. But, like, we put them in the running. There was not sexual tension. There wasn't really. It's too late. It's been done. The votes have been cast. Yeah. What can we do now? Nothing. I just would like to encourage everyone to really think about, you know, like Willow and Tara, we're going to have plenty of time. Listen, I'm not going to get into it. I'm going to make everybody Mm -hmm. mad. Mm -hmm. Great job, Mm -hmm. everybody, with your vote. In my heart, Mm -hmm. the stethoscope will win. But in reality, (laughs) I guess maybe it was the astrology uh, that I I laid on to Tara and Willow. Mm, Yes. Well, it's really having a moment right now uh speaking of uh queer love jenny i am going to read an email that came in to us right now are you ready i hope so Uh, this email came in from julia l it says let me start by saying how amazing and wonderful my girlfriend is she came to my life in a time where i needed her most and Buffy was one of the first things she wanted to show me. As a newly out queer woman, the show really stuck with me. I started watching for her and, of course, fell in love with it, like so many fans do. I even have a Tara and Willow tattoo on my arm, and she has the Gur Arg on her ankle. Anyway, I know. Anyway, she didn't like high school, and she didn't go to her prom. So I was hoping to ask her to Buffy prom. And I'm wondering if you two could possibly take a moment to ask her on the podcast. I know it's a long shot, but Buffy made us closer and made us better for each other. It was one of the first ways we connected. And I know how much it would mean to her to get an invite on your recording. Something as simple as Vivian G, will you go to prom with Julia L? So Jenny, do you want to say that together with me? I do. Okay, ready? Vivian G. Will, Will you, you go, go to Buffy, Buffy prom, prom with Julia, Julia L? Please? Please. <laughs> um, in case you don't know, we're having a prom. It's not mm-hmm. that far away anymore. It's happening in mm-hmm. April. And you can still get tickets. The live taping on the 17th is sold out, but there are still tickets to prom. Bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on events. You can find all your ticketing needs there. And uh, I know two people who will be there as long as Vivian Hell says yeah. yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Couple couple more very quick things, and then we'll get into this very sad episode. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. For all of our patrons, I will be doing a live streaming concert of Buffering Tunes on February 22nd. So hope to see some of you there. Uh, yes, and also in Patreon land. For some time, those of you who do not live in the United States have been asking Jenny and I how you can get in on our exclusive merchandise level. And we have said, just wait, just wait, just wait. We'll, we will figure it out. We will get there. We will do the math, the hell math that is required to figure this out. We have figured it out. 
We have a new level. It is for our international Scoobies. If you would like to get in on that exclusive merch, you just have to join up on that level before the end of this month, February. If you join before March, you will get in on the next bundle and that bundle ships in April. So join us if you will. Uh, International Scoobies, you can now uh, get those exclusive t-shirts and enamel pins. They ship once every three months. They're pretty rad. And I think that's all I have to say. Hooray! On with the show, I say. I say the same. Hello and welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Yes, a podcast where we're watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, spoiler free. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And I feel like in line with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they're really stretching their arms now. They're trying to explore with different stuff here, different themes. And you, Jenny Owen Youngs, seem to be doing that with our intros lately. Like, you're you're really stretching your arms, you know? Let the artist work. Keeping keeping everybody on their toes. Uh, This week, we are talking talking about season five, episode 10, Into the Woods. Earlier, I sang to Jenny, are we into the woods yet? Are we into Mm. the woods yet? Are we into the woods? And Mm. she was not thrilled with me, but I'm sorry. I cannot remember any of the musical numbers from... Into the woods, into the woods. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I mean, (laughs) it was right there for you. Pretty easy. I'm so sorry. Uh, Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. If you have not yet started listening to our Angel podcast, Angel on Top, hosted by the luminous Brittany Ashley and Laura Zach, what the hell are you do? As Jenny Owen Youngs once said, what the fuck were you thinking? Okay. Um, why? That's not, that's one of two references I will make to your music this uh, podcast episode. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> but seriously, if you're not listening, you're just hurting yourself for no reason. It's my favorite podcast. I love listening to them talk to each other about Angel. And Angel, like, the they're in season two now, like, we're in season five. And it's just like the show's really figuring itself out. And the podcast is a true delight. Hell yeah. So go enjoy. Meanwhile, Into the Woods was written and directed by Marty Noxon and originally aired on December 19th, (laughs) 2000, just two days after Kristen's... It's very easy to do my math. 20th birthday. (laughs) Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, well... I never get any birthday attention. You know, you gotta give something back to the people. Um... This is the one where, according to IMDb, after Buffy catches Riley in the clutches of a vampire junkie, Riley makes an important decision regarding their relationship. A lot of things. First of all, uh, Marty Noxon is directing this. This is the first episode that Marty Noxon directs, and it is not the last. Hell yeah. So we, we love a double Marty, and this is the first we get. It's a doozy. We, we're going to wait a little while to bring you Kate Leth's fashion watch, but you can tell it's a doozy when Kate's like, um, so there's like a shirt, but also I have a lot of feelings. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what we're going to get from Kate in a little while. Uh, yeah. First thing to note is, of course, that Giles will not be left out of the leather jacket game. Um, He has obtained. He looks hot. He has obtained a distressed leather blazer. No, 
Oh, it's a jacket. It's with lapels. With like, a, with like a it's a fancy, sport coat lapels. It's a fancy dad leather uh-huh. jacket. I love it. I, I'm so excited that Giles has a leather jacket. Yeah, get that earring back in, Giles, quick. Please. Ooh, we'll get a little reference to his ripper days in a little while. Can't wait. Um, but yeah, we're in the hospital. I mean, we left you all... Um, sort of watching Joyce be wheeled into this surgery and Buffy and Dawn were standing in the foreground. The Scoobies were standing in the background. Joyce was like, what's up? <laughs> and what we learn is uh, that they have all stayed at the hospital with her um, and they're waiting for her. And this is like pretty awesome too. I love what they do with Xander. I love um, not with, you know, just the writers, but also uh, what Nicholas Brendan does here. The choice to make Xander angry or like testy because he's so nervous, I thought was really nice. We all express stress in different ways. Exactly. And I just thought it was real. Like Willow and Xander are BFFs from like childhood. Mm -hmm. So this is a totally a dynamic where Xander would be comfortable enough to snap at her when all she wanted was the time. Um, And he's doing that because he's torn up. Yes. (sighs) Yeah. And they're waiting and waiting and waiting. And, Oh, hey, here comes Dr. Crinks down the hall. And cruel and unusual punishment, Marty, to make us all take the longest inhale to ever expand our lungs. Seriously. And then give us the fucking credits, you monster. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? Not very nice. Not very nice at all. Shout out to Riley, one of many turtlenecks that we'll see in mm. this episode. Mm-hmm. This is like, mm-hmm. it was like, it was like the wardrobe department was like, listen, this guy's going to leave in a helicopter at the end of this episode. So like, let's do a nice little out. retrospective, <laughs> the many turtlenecks of Riley Finn. Uh, so yeah, we go to the credits, not knowing, um, mean, mean, mean. Uh, and in all honesty, when we come back from the credits, I really think Dr. Cranks could have done a better job. Pick up the pace. Seriously. Doctors are... This is like the Jenny Owen Young's version whoa, of whoa, delivering. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A, well, I don't think yeah, you know. I don't think you would do it in this scenario. I think you would have the wherewithal to start by saying everything is okay. But you do like to tell a story uh, backwards. Backwards, well, yeah. Do you think that there's some kind of insurance-related? like sort of safeguarding like do doctors have to deliver news in a very like lawyerly minded way sure maybe no but also even if they do he could have started by saying the procedure went well like (laughs) just start there dude um but he he doesn't but we do learn fairly quickly yeah they were able to get everything uh, Joyce is under observation, and right. overall, they consider the procedure a complete success. So yeah, that is... everyone's pumped. There's much huzzahing, and everybody's hugging except Giles and Xander because no homo. Yeah, there's a there's like, a no what? homo. Like hug each other. It's very weird because they be... definitely hugged it out many times before. But Giles does this incredibly adorable fist pump thing in the background when he first gets the news. <laughs> yeah. It's real cute. Um, but yeah, great, great news. And uh, Buffy is so excited that she just snaps Dr. Crank's ribs. And yeah, a complimentary chiropractic adjustment. He deserved a couple Crank's of broken not ribs, so that cranked. guy. I'm glad he did a good job on the surgery, but I have a few issues with his bedside manner. 
Do you think that Giles is excited because he's like, nice, got another shot. There's still some time for I mean, us. I do feel like I didn't want to be insensitive to like Joyce's uh, situation, but it did seem like like I had the thought of like, why did he wear this leather jacket? <laughs> Not necessarily that he wants Joyce to see him in the leather jacket, but it feels like a little a little turn of the page, a little what's next for these two. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, maybe he's just like, you know, I'm really missing Olivia. And, you know, he's like, life is short. Maybe I should have sex with Joyce Seize again. The- <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, that old familiar saying, life is short. Maybe I should have sex <laughs> with Joyce again. Uh-huh. Okay, so, so we go to uh, Xander's apartment, which is looking lovely. And Dawn has been taken back with them. Oh, my God. Babysitter Anya. Oh. Among my top Anyas. Jenny, I have a lot of things to talk about in this scene, but the first thing that I would like to bring to your attention is that there's this moment where they look at the newspaper, which is so nostalgic. Looking at the newspaper for movie times is like, oh my people God. People don't do that anymore. Were we, we ever so young? We used to. And Anya, as we all know, wants to see the hilarious movie about the chimp who ice skates. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I figured this is just a, a you know, something they made No, up. no, 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 no. That's a real movie. Do you know about this I, movie? I can't movie? remember what it's called. Well, I have it written down. But I do remember, the, like, the ads for it. Okay, well, it's called MVP, which stands for something. Most Valuable Primate? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so this Good is Lord. A real movie, it, it has gotten horrible reviews, it, and it was produced by... Airbud Entertainment. Well, who else is going to make an animal sports Just movie? Just like, tell me what it was like to work in the offices of Airbud Entertainment. Well, it's just the tennis balls everywhere. <laughs> you know, and then there's a community zone with all the b- water bowls on the floor. It's like that episode of West Wing where... Don't they, like, let turkeys loose in the office every Thanksgiving? Oh. <laughs> no, they do not do that every Thanksgiving. <laughs> they pardon a turkey every Thanksgiving. And th- in the West Wing, there's there's something about they don't know what to do with the turkeys while they're awaiting the pardoning. So right. they leave them in C.J. Craig's office yeah. uh, creating chaos. I'm looking at this chimpanzee right now on hockey skates with a little hockey stick. Uh, she's talking about the movie poster. <laughs> For Most Valuable Primate. And, um... I'd like to make a general plea to the universe. Could people stop casting chimpanzees in stuff? Uh, yeah. I mean, unless it's like a documentary about chimpanzees. Sure. Well, that's not be, so much a casting. It would be nice to not put tiny ice skates on them or any other anthropomorphized. We say this on the heels of Dr. Doolittle coming out in theaters. Ugh. So No, I'm here for Wishbone. I'm not here... For chimpanzees. The glorification <laughs> of chimpanzees. <laughs> so, okay. So anyhow, thank you for taking that most valuable primate detour with me. Mm-hmm. Um, Anya is, man, is she really finding her Anya stride. That We are in like prime Anya territory. Uh, ice is all slippery and monkeys are all irrational, she says. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> she She's also, also s- like, maybe we should uh, make life Ooh, the game of life a little more interesting by adding a gambling component, Don, 14-year-old Don. Oh, and maybe we could also get, get you, you drunk. Yeah, strawberry schnapps taste just like strawberry ice cream, <laughs> she says. Uh, and then we learned that Don is very aware of the fact that she has not been exiled for celebration. 
uh, of her own, but rather so as she says, Buffy and Riley can boink. Jenny, what are your what are your feelings on the word boink? Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah. And you? Uh, and then Anya realizes that means she cannot boink Xander tonight. <laughs> so let us go to the beautiful guitar. It says, so when you cut to the scene between Buffy and Riley, the closed captioning just says guitar playing as it like pans through the candles in the room. It's a real funny Dude, moment. Dude, this is not something I ever wanted to see. <laughs> this is a, a musician called uh, named Emiliana Torini, this song. Oh, mm. Icelandic, I think, musician. Mm. Um, who Buffy is apparently super into. She wants to play this song on repeat. Uh-huh. This is like, listen, it is the Riley episode, isn't it? And this is like the opposite of what candles do for Buffy and Angel. It's like, and, and that's the whole point of this whole episode. I mean, of this whole, of really Riley's whole arc versus Angel's whole arc. It's like, this is the same kind of setting, darkened lighting, uh-huh. candles all around the room. Uh-huh. But it is like this light like soft jazz version ah later when we get the if you can call it a sex scene my note (laughs) that i wrote down i called it the tan and tender sex scene yeah it's just the bodies are tanned and it's just so tender there's a few things yes if i may please i don't want to talk about it but i have to (laughs) talk about it um first of all the fact that Buffy has at no point, especially now while they spend an extended amount of time naked together, noticed any vampire bites yeah. on Riley's body is either an oversight or just uh, more fuel for the fire of like, do you even notice Are this you guy? Right. Are you here right now? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Also, when they're standing like talking to each other and oh, <laughs> I don't even want to repeat what they say, but when they are standing there. Uh, just highlighting what you'll hear us talk about with Mark Flukas when that that episode comes out next week. Next week, they used a little box for close-ups mm. that, that Sarah Michelle Gellar would stand on top of. So she's definitely on the Buffy box mm. in this close-up where they're talking about their imminent lovemaking session <laughs> uh, because she's only like five inches shorter. Uh, than him here instead of like a full foot right well and uh, yeah are you going to point out the scene later because there is a scene later where I think they very explicitly do not use the Buffy box oh where's that it's when um Riley confronts Buffy and he's like we have to talk right oh, now and yeah. she keeps saying and we'll we'll talk about the scene when we get to it but she's basically like has to tell him twice to keep his hands off of her and they are panned out and Buffy is not standing on a box and and like the height difference is really massive and I think it's one Maybe of those intentional. things yeah, you know, like how in acting they always say that, like, if you if you're winning the fight, um, you should not be leaning towards the person. Like, body language is really important, um, in in fighting. So, like, I've never heard this. Really? No, it's, it's a real thing. <laughs> in your many conversations Gosh. about when you're winning the fight, what your body <laughs> posture should be. Yes, please continue to teach me. <laughs> well, it's just if you're if you're leaning forward, um, that's a weakened stance, right? So usually people who are ha- who have the power in the fight, who know they're winning the fight, who know mm. they're winning the argument, are are sort of like relaxed. They're not leaning towards they're farther away they're whatever they 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 don't care as much and so that's not what's happening here but there is something about the fact that Buffy is does really have more power in that scene Ah, I feel like you're giving me a lot to think about for when I play Skyrim uh I could definitely stand to be more relaxed during battle sequences oh so great 
speaking of Buffy boxes. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but I have, really? I have to say one other thing. Wow. <laughs> uh, and then our listenership <laughs> reduced to zero. <laughs> so the other place where the height differential like really really slapped me across the face uh-huh. is when they are, excuse me, <laughs> laying down together. <laughs> and um, there's some <laughs> active movement and uh, Riley is on top of Buffy. They wanted, I think, their faces to be a certain way. So like Riley's face is like farther down the bed than Buffy's. Yeah, his So face he is... is, if you think about their height differential, he's basically like working on her knees. You know what I mean? <laughs> I understand you have to do what you have to do for the scene. And honestly, that's probably way more comfortable for the actors. But, uh... Listen, it's, uh... Riley's gonna be flying away in a helicopter at the end of this episode. So if you're not gonna talk about the positioning... Strike of... while the iron is decidedly lukewarm. Incredible. A uh, box metaphor, an iron metaphor, um, two tanned bodies um, with a tangle of parts placed in random <laughs> locations. Uh, and hey, we're not the only ones who are disturbed by this lovemaking. Oh. Wait, actually, can I go back for a second? Because oh, yeah. there is a moment in the scene in the living room before they go upstairs to have tan and tender sex where um, Buffy says... You know, I'm not as strong as you think I am, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I yeah. didn't even see you cry. <sighs> and she says, oh, I cried. I cried a ton, you know. And Riley is, like, devastated by the fact that she has been upset but not upset with him. And it's just, you know, there's a, there's a lot of moments like this in, throughout the episode. And um, I'm sure we will have a larger, more meta conversation about this. But I think that that's important to note. because. Yeah. At the end of the day, I really like my end analysis of this couple is that they have incompatible love languages. Two great tastes that don't taste great together. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, but I don't think that Riley is correctly assessing Buffy as like he, he seems to be saying like you are broken because you can't do this. And I don't know. Oh. Like that's not what I got out no, of it. I, I no, I no, I feel like he his assessment is you don't have it for me. Do you, I I don't feel like he thinks that she has a personal deficit. I think that he feels like she doesn't have what he needs available to him. Yeah, I can see that. I guess I guess I leave this episode knowing that these two should not have stayed together. Right. And also feeling like I wish that the conversation could have included more about what each of them was unable to be for the other person. And maybe mm. that's what I mean, mm. that like the, the episode is angled more. And it, I mean, the show is about Buffy. We're, we're learning more about Buffy's inner workings. I guess we don't care necessarily as much about Riley's inner workings because the name of the show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> but... You know, it 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 seems a little one-sided and and not in like a horrible way, but just in a way where I'm like, well, it feels to me like Buffy does have things to give and they aren't the things that Riley needs and Riley does have things to to need and they aren't the, you know, whatever. Yeah, we'll talk more. Anyhow. Now, also at one point Buffy says Mom's out of the woods, which is where we get our episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. title and where I said Well, we, I think we also get the episode title because Riley is leaving for the jungle. Right, he's going in into the woods. Yeah. Yes. Joyce is 
Joyce is figuratively out of the woods and Riley is literally in the woods. Uh-huh. Wow. The woods. Okay, so now Spike's fucking downstairs smoking his <laughs> after-sex cigarette, <laughs> wondering where Riley has put his parts. Ooh. Don't worry, man. It's just between her knees. <laughs> um, but this is, you know, critical piece of the plot line because Spike sees Riley get up and leave, which is weird. I just feel like if you need to get your fix, um, you might not do it like immediately after sleeping with your girlfriend and while she sleeps, get out and leave. Yeah, the well, they're trying to work with this like, ultimately like messy and not super successful metaphor of like addiction yeah and this isn't the last time we'll see them work with I this a hundred percent agree it's really never a clean win yeah because the metaphor is mixed in a very uh not good way because they position the vampires who are um drinking riley's blood and other humans blood as sex workers Right. But then they're also positioning them as junkies is the word. You, junkies is a horrible word. The, the drug addicts. But I, I said that word because it was in the IMDb description. Um, and I meant to comment on the fact that I did not like the usage of the word back then. And and those those are two distinctly different things. Like, are these vampires working as sex workers and making money for that or are they like it it seems really messy i thought that riley was the uh person experiencing addiction so and is it a two-way street and that's the look what a mess it's a little bit messy because that's the thing right in 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 some senses he is spoken about like that and i also don't think that it's um fair or appropriate to label what Riley's doing as an addiction because it's not he is going to he's he's basically employing sex workers because he is missing something and is figuring it out and and figuring out what he's missing through this exchange which Mm -hmm. is not at all in line with an addiction storyline speaking of since we're in this sex worker uh topic right now somebody wrote in on instagram and was sort of commenting on our discussion last episode uh about this being sort of a character assassination super out of character for riley um and talked a little bit about the fact that like oftentimes um people who frequent sex workers are sort of doing things in those exchanges that they feel they can't do with their partner, Mm. whether that's because they don't respect the sex worker the way they respect their partner, whether it's because they don't feel comfortable Mm. showing that they like want, you know, I mean, in the scene that we see Riley in getting caught, he's saying like harder, harder. We have definitely never seen even a hint. He's taken off her goddamn boot. That's (laughs) as, you know what I mean? And so he he is really tapping into something that he's not tapping into with Buffy. So, you know, I, I still think that there's a bit of, character assassination going on here but i also think that it was i thought it was an interesting point um to really look at and and riley gives us some of his reasonings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and is really well spoken about it i think um in terms of like why he is doing this and his self assessment of how he's felt when he's done this and what he's realized in connecting with these um again, even like, on his way out the door he's got one of the higher emotional iqs on the show honestly <laughs> So, it's like Riley and Spike. They should get together. Ooh, and they almost do. They almost do. Cannot wait to get to that scene. <clears throat> okay. 
So back at the hospital, uh, Joyce is de- declining. <laughs> uh, we don't spoil anything in this series, but I will let you know that Joyce declining a wig is going to be really great for some of her bandana choices in future episodes. <laughs> um, and you Also, know- French maid mom. Buffy trying to ah! pitch Joyce on French maid mom. I know. Help! I know. There's a weird... Check, please. I, I hope that one day... I'm sure we won't ask Marty Noxon about this if we do get the chance to speak with her because it's so niche. But this scene is so... I don't understand exactly what it's here for because we don't only get that weird comment of Buffy being like, French maid mom, but we also get this exchange between them where, uh, you know, Joyce is sort of like, well, Riley is... You know, are you seeing Riley enough? And ah, Speaking of things I'd like to delete, delete, delete. because <laughs> yeah, Buffy's like, I'm sure he'll come over a little later looking for some Bible study and then Joyce is like as long as you're having your time with the Lord and I'm like ladies maybe who has ever had this conversation with their mom Uh, listen not besides Rory Gilmore what a nightmare (laughs) well that's what I was gonna say not you or I I think we both have very different relationships with our mothers or this would never be an exchange but I do know people who have relationships with their moms that are terrifying (laughs) that are terrifying to people (laughs) like us Oh. So these military guys are like holed up in like a Motel 6 or yeah, something? They're what, stand- look they at those not, curtains they don't have and good, face the truth. They don't have a good budget. They're not. And they sell Riley. The pay is going to be low yeah, and yeah. the risk is going to be high. Uh-huh. They're like, risk of um, bed, dying, bugs. Yeah, bed bugs dying near these curtains. <laughs> But yeah, so Graham is like, you know who we need is Riley mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he can he he has the skill set that we need. Um, he looks great in a turtleneck and wait until you see him in a beret is <laughs> not what Graham says, but mm. might as well. And then we go back to Buffy's room in where the middle of the night, she believes that Riley has reentered after using the bathroom or something. Uh-huh, but instead, uh-huh. It is our bleach blonde uh, stalker of season five, uh, Spike. Spike, I love you. Spike, so dreamy. Spike, you trench coat. Spike, I love you. Spike, you black nail. Spike, peroxide. Spike, okay, so you know that we've been giving a big frown to any time Spike does something without permission. And technically, he has definitely entered her room without permission. But also, are they really never going to disinvite him? I mean, truly. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> Honestly, the biggest crime anybody in this show ever commits is continuing to expect Spike to do the right thing ever in any <laughs> circumstance. Know. Everyone's always so incensed when he wants to kill someone yeah. or wants to drink blood or <laughs> wants to steal something. He is literally evil and has never pretended for one moment in time to not be evil. <laughs> so he's like, hey, I've got something to show you. Is Buffy... Getting out of bed in the middle of the goddamn night for I need to show you something. I know. Like, I know. Sir. And also, isn't she wondering where the fuck Riley is? Like, uh, yeah. He's not in bed with her and Spike has just entered the house. But I would be like, where's Riley? Like, what'd you do with What did Riley? you do with my boyfriend? Exactly. And um, also. And can I join? And, I mean, listen, I'm just saying that I think that everyone in this dynamic would be thrilled if Spike and Buffy and Riley were a throuple. Now there's something for everyone. There's literally literally something (laughs) for fucking everyone. So I'm putting it on the table. I wish that I could go back in my time machine and tell these three how to solve all of their problems. But alas, uh, I want to give James Marsters a shout 
for his acting when he turns around. So so he's like, <laughs> "Are you naked?" And Buffy's like, "Literally, fuck yourself." Uh-huh. And um, she tells she looks she gives him this look again. Sarah Michelle Gellar with her eyeball acting, mm-hmm. like, "Dude, fucking seriously, turn around." And he's like, "Like I give a damn." And then he turns around and lets us know exactly how big of a damn he gives. I mean, he like basically has like a tiny orgasm <laughs> thinking about the fact that she's getting out of bed behind him. And it's just incredible acting from James Marsters because yeah. it's a it's a split second. He's so funny. He's It's hysterical and so on point. I know. I have a problem. I have a bone to pick. How fucking dare Buffy the Vampire Slayer call putting on those wide leg ankle crop sweatpants getting dressed i agree (laughs) she looks like she's spring cleaning madam she should have definitely borrowed one of joyce's future bandanas Uh to complete this look yeah (laughs) um yes and this is the scene they go to the vamp den and buffy is taken upstairs she sees riley we've talked about the fact that he's saying harder buffy sees riley spike is showing her this spike sees immediately how upset she is and is like full of some kind of regret uh once they get outside you mean yeah right because first he's like being a little shit we only we only came here because we care about you friend a (laughs) real digging comment right and he does it's like and and spike is i think portrayed really wonderfully in this episode as being right on this line of like he's so stoked that Riley's taking a fall but he's so bummed because he's upset the person that he loves essentially uh you know I think we can what that he's obsessed with I Uh should I should say so the vampires are all pissed that like Riley has brought the slayer in one way or another to their den um and Buffy goes to her room so sad and you know when you've just been caught by your Vampire Slayer girlfriend being sucked on by a vampire <laughs> in a pseudo-sexual way. Uh, and then you, like, ugh, you get home to your, like, basement apartment and your heavy bag. And you turn a light on and some men have been waiting in the corner. In the dark. They, like, got there, turned all the lights on. They were like, okay, here's where we need to stand to make it the most dramatic for when he gets home and turns the lights on. Two of them stayed there. One of them went and turned the lights off and got back in position. And then they waited for who knows how long. <laughs> oh, it's like it's like a surprise party. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Riley is like, get out. Like, he immediately senses that they're there, understands everything. We get this, like, whatever, this stupid scene. This scene is stupid. They're like, there's a code one in Belize. There's demons taking apart missionaries. Ma, we're <laughs> wow. not government where they are. We really missed the initiative. <laughs> yeah, I know. And um, they tell him it's high risk. It's low pay. Tomorrow at midnight, be at the copter. Or at the copter. meet me at the copter at midnight. Uh-huh. Oh, and he's, I mean, and woo, woo, woo. He picked just the right button. Uh, in yes. his closing remarks, he says, maybe civilian life is working out for you. Yeah. Maybe it isn't. Yeah. This guy rolling the <laughs> dice on. Yeah. You know, 50% of the time life feels good and 50% of the time you need to escape <laughs> life. So I'm just going to take my chances. Yeah. And he is, Roll those dice. He's he, correct he's with his dice roll. So at the Magic Box, we are uh, approaching the Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Solstice, and Gumanthar's Ascendance season. Uh, lovely little touch to the banner hanging up. I love, I want to know, someday I want to find whomever created the banners 
for Buffy uh. the Vampire Slayer. Actually, you know what? I, th- that's a good segue to talk about something. At the end of this episode, there is an um, dedication. Uh, a dedication at the end of the episode for... Is it to Garenthar? No, but it actually the spelling of this person's name is so close to it. Uh, it's for uh, DC uh, Gustafson, I believe is how uh. you pronounce his name. He passed away. He was forty-one, and he was um, the lead on the uh, the lead man for the first two seasons uh, in the art department of the show. Oh wow! Um, and he passed away at forty-one um, after fighting cancer and AIDS, and was um, mm. a super close friend of Sarah Michelle Gellar's. Oh man! Um, and so I bring it up because you know perhaps the, it is the it's probably the art department. That that does some of the banners. Um, oh, for sure. Right? So that so that's the connection. But if you saw that, it is in the credits right at the end of the episode, and that is who this person was. And so that's really very special that they, you know, gave him, they dedicated, I mean, it's a very sad episode to dedicate to somebody, but. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one free chicken's foot. With every purchase. <laughs> and why not? <laughs> we also see here that there are some tensions building between Anya and Willow. I wonder... How that's going to culminate. Yeah, I wonder how intense their fighting will become. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I love the scene is like a really nice spot of s- sunshine in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Emma Caulfield totally crushing it. Like lots of really, really funny Anya stuff here. Uh, in particular, I like how as she and Willow are getting more and more heated, she like turns to Xander for support. And when he doesn't give her the support she's looking for, she's like, Fine, take her side, even though I'm the one who sleeps with you and feeds you and <laughs> bathes you. And everyone's like, uh... record scratch. <laughs> <laughs> and Xander uh, leaps to assure everyone that it's in a sexy penthouse way. You show me how you bathe somebody sexily. I am picturing it right now. And it is there. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. You can picture Xander being bathed sexily. By Anya? But just, like, what is the motion? Like, there's a sponge. Well, you're both in the bathtub. Okay. Right. There's, like, a loofah. <laughs> <laughs> you you are all so welcome that I asked this question. Okay. What's you're the, both in the bathtub. What's the sexiest bath time <laughs> abrasion, abrasion tool? There's a loofah. Or maybe, it, hmm. I just feel like no matter what, no matter how sexy it might start, it becomes silly. I cannot imagine it being a, a I can imagine, listen, having sex in a bathtub, it, difficult also. But that's yeah, I wouldn't whole, recommend. That's a whole other conversation about lubrication. But sexily bathing, just bathing. I just don't think you can keep up the act of cleaning somebody else's body for that long. I think, well, I think you're taking a lot, you're making a lot of assumptions about how long the bathing portion lasts. Oh, okay. All right. And also, like, just, you know, step step outside of yourself for a moment in time. You could probably get a lot of research material related to this. There's some websites on the internet (laughs) that you could visit, and all you'll have to do is google or like enter in the search bar like sexy bath time or something and you'll get all the info you need great websites like pornhub.com uh that's the only one i can think of this episode not sponsored by pornhub.com but what a great segue let's get some uh, uh some word from some of our actual sponsors and we'll be back with more bath time sexy thoughts great Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. 
If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so uh, it was Anya and Xander in the bathtub with a loofah. <laughs> uh, we get one more line I want to give Anya a shout out for in this scene is where she says, sure, make fun of the ex-demon. She's newly human and strangely literal. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, it's a and special one. Yes, she also makes a crack at Giles. <laughs> oh. If it weren't for me, he'd be a scared old man looking at quarterly tax statements and wetting himself. I really felt solid with her version of Giles in this because <laughs> when I look at quarterly tax statements, I basically, like, ah. yeah, I cry and cry and cry. Okay, so Buffy busts the fuck in. Yeah, she's real stressed out about this vamp nest that she's discovered with a very specific agenda. Yes. She small is- business. Buffy hates small business owners. Well, she likes Giles, <laughs> but... uh <laughs> 
I mean, okay, so while I thought of in this arc of Buffy being so angry at her boyfriend that she burns the house down was Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Uh, oh, yeah. That's exactly what Lisa Left Eye Lopez did. Hell yeah. I always felt just like really proud of her for doing it, even though I never really knew the full story. I mean, we're not, in, we don't endorse don't arson, arson on this podcast, however. But you know, it's like taking a Louisville slugger to both headlights is always a move. Mm. That is fun and mm-hmm. uh, a little mm-hmm. bit empowering. So, sorry, that's my little left eye uh, side rant. But Buffy comes in, and yes, she is um, furious about uh, vampire prostitution simply because her boyfriend has just been there. Yeah, I would think, considering how much slack they cut Spike day in and day out, that they that they might be able to turn a favorable eye on this yeah. Set up where a, setup. a bunch of people are getting what they want and nobody's dying. Yeah. I mean, although I guess, well, with with regulation comes more greater safety, a lesson uh-huh. we could all consider. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Now that's si- one place where the metaphor really works for me. Yeah. No. Uh, people deserve to be safe. Yes. While they're working. Agree. Hell yeah, Jenny. They don't deserve to have their place of business burned to the ground. They do not. Uh, And since you just made that beautiful tie-in, I think we should play the patriarchy jingle, the reason that these regulations don't exist in the first place. Hmm. The patriarchy! (laughs) Uh, Something that I would like to note in this scene is that Anya knows immediately that this has been going on for centuries. And guess who pipes up? But old Leather Jacket Daddy. Well, he hasn't seen any of these since his Ripper days. Yo, just putting a little, a couple pennies in the bin for Ripper and his days with his vamps. Just Yeah, right? He definitely has patronized such an establishment in the past. I bet you Ethan Rain and Giles went through like a phase of their um, sexual affair uh, where they, like, oh my god, maybe before that, because you know, like maybe they weren't comfortable right away, uh, like really, really owning their attraction to each other, right? So first they would go to together, suck dens to together, the, yes, exactly, uh-huh. and then they would sort of like use the vamp as a as yep. a means of, yep. yeah, and then eventually they would just have sex with each other. Okay, hot. Good. Okay, love it. Buffy is fucking guns a blazing. She wants to go to this this nest right now. Mm-hmm. She goes to the huge unlocked chest of weapons <laughs> on the sales floor. <laughs> I don't think she takes anything out of it no. before she runs off. Um, but the, the last thing that I want to say about this scene mm-hmm. is unfortunately Giles undoes the hotness with a very like boomer oh. anti-sex work comment where he says there's there's people who deserve your help more than these people. Oh wow! Well, but see, that's where the metaphor gets. Yeah, it's, it, the metaphor is 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 backwards though, because he's talking about like it, it's it's too it's too much hell math for my brain to figure out. But it doesn't feel like apples to apples. And here's your hell math jingle. Hell so the vamp den is emptied out. Uh, Xander apologizes for saying crib when he walks into the fair. place. Thank you, Very Xander. Fair. And Buffy burns it down. B- burn it down and salt the earth, she says. And then we get the porn we're all Ooh. really here for. <laughs> Riley busts on in. Oh, to my God. den. Oh. Uh, 
And the porn music starts playing. Yeah. Lauren, I know you've got that Woody, 80s porn Woody. music in your in your uh, folder. Yep. Yep. Riley's like, I left reasonable about three exits back. Honestly, spike. possibly the hottest Riley has ever been. Then he uses his like steak dildo. Whoa. <laughs> Well, let's I, I, talk I about got a little like, carried away. The porn music made me lose it. Yeah, okay. I didn't actually write that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk for a moment about what we perceive yeah. as a first-time viewer, which is yes. that he gets Spike up against that pillar, and Spike's like, hey, don't kill the messenger. Right. And Riley says, why the hell not? And stakes him through the heart. Yes. And then we go to commercial. Again, Marty Knoxon, queen of the cruel and unusual going to commercial. <laughs> Uh, and we learn, of course, when Spike is like, ow, very reminiscent of our <laughs> William the Bloody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I love how he's like screaming like he's dying and then like looks down and I was like, hey. <laughs> so Riley has gone through all the trouble of finding a, a plastic stake that has wood grain pattern on it so that it looks. Honestly, why is anybody leaving Spike alive? Why is what is prompting anyone other than we love to watch James Marshall's work? What's prompting anyone when they're pissed at Spike to not kill him? There are no repercussions in this universe Seriously? for killing a vampire. No, but but Riley wants a little wants a little more from Spike, mm. I think. And uh, you know, they have a chat here, which I think is is done really well, where basically uh, Riley's like, I know you want her, and Spike's like, you know what? I fucking do. Mm-hmm. And um, Riley's like, but you know you'll never have her. And he's like, yeah, I do. But a guy's got to try. A fellow's got to try. A fellow's got to try. And then he pops the top off of his scotch or whatever the hell he drinks. And they have this connection. It's very romantic. It's pretty romantic. Okay, so Riley takes a drink of the scotch. We'll, we'll say it's scotch. And he there's a moment when he takes the bottle, he recaps it, and he throws it back to... Spike, and that is where my fan fiction starts uh, to spiral because uh-huh, uh-huh. um, it's a real good throw, um, and it and it makes me feel like the the passion that we're missing in this in the tan and tender sex uh-huh. scene definitely exists here. Oh yeah, you it's need a here. little contrast for the composition. You need a fucking pasty ass <laughs> undead <laughs> guy, <laughs> and then uh, a golden god. Yeah, stepped down from the heavens. Um, and, and also an important, a few important lines, but uh, something important that Spike says to Riley in this scene is, uh, the girl needs some monster in her man, and that's not in your nature. Um, and what do we think about this? Is there truth to this? I, I think that there is. It seems like sometimes we forget because we're like watching this show and the stakes, no pun intended, are so high <laughs> And the, you know, the danger is so real and Buffy has to step up over and over again. We forget that she is 20 years old. Mm -hmm. Who knows what she needs? She's so young. She's had one boyfriend and he was... 246? Yeah. And also, uh, according to her job description, which she points out in this episode, like, her enemy by his very nature, like... I, I she's only had an in- very intense, very dramatic, very damaging relationship. She doesn't know anything else. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I think like eventually uh after she gets the sort of relief and safety from that that she needs mm-hmm. with Riley after a certain amount of time has gone by, the relationship probably starts to feel kind of unnatural to her because it yeah. does not have those like 
really intense, dramatic peaks and valleys. Right. And, and you know, I, I definitely agree with your point in, in the uh, she is 20, but we also have the flip side of that coin, which is she is the slayer. So her 20 is not quite your standard 20. True, but I don't think that the slayer package comes with advanced emotional maturity i agree i agree you know she only has the experience she has i agree i agree but i do think that buffy no matter what her age is going to struggle with um i'll say this i don't think that she would necessarily struggle with um being with someone who did not have complete chaos at their center but i do think that she would always struggle with someone who had the set of needs which i don't think are abnormal that riley has that i don't think will ever be something that she can um conquer or that that seems like at best like she would have to work very hard to get to that place and to feel comfortable there and frankly she doesn't have the time or the energy reserves to do that work Right. Yeah. And I and I would like to take a second and turn this magnifying glass around on all of us, um, because when I was reading about this episode, um, I found this when asked why they chose to have Riley leave Sunnydale. Joss Whedon said he tried to give Buffy a healthy relationship. Yes. God bless. Yeah. But, quote, people didn't want it. They did some great work together. But at the same time, when they were happy, it made people crazy. Marty Noxon adds, Sunnydale romance rarely goes well. Buffy with a boyfriend is not as interesting as Buffy in some kind of romantic strife. Riley, by his nature, was such a good and constant character that we were at risk of things getting a little dull. And so, you know, we talk about, like, Buffy, a fictional character. Mm. What does she need? But also... What the hell is wrong with us that we are bored by? And, and I'm not saying there's something wrong with us, but just but just no. that like this exists outside of the fictional universe too. Um, I know in in many people's love lives for sure, but also in what we crave. Consider the Ross and Rachel of it all, if you will, for a moment in time. Always, I will. They were on a break. <laughs> <laughs> I know they were on a break, and I also know that everyone watching that show couldn't wait for them to get together for some reason mm-hmm. everyone was rooting for ross to get yeah, what he it wanted was, it was a different it time it was raining it was dramatic sure 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 sure. yeah right and as soon as they got together they had to start the the people making the show had to start playing with that and finding all different ways of like pushing them apart and letting them come back together and pushing them apart again yeah because who wants to watch a happy ending i mean Bel- well, it's like people like tension I mean, yeah. truly, and and well, it's entertaining. It's entertaining, and and for many of us in our actual lives, it's as much as you might complain about it while it's happening. Um, I think a lot of us use it as a distraction from the other things we don't want to think about. Oh, <laughs> true. Sorry for making it real, everybody. <laughs> it's a big episode. Yeah. Also, I think they make a good point here. It's not just about like the relationship all by itself it's everything that you hang around the jokes that can happen around whatever's going on in the show the and the dramatic moments that can happen around everything that's going on in the show like there's just more to work with if Mm -hmm. there is conflict yeah yeah if there is no conflict what's the purpose of the story yeah so anyway blank (laughs) so Okay, so just a couple more things about this scene with our two favorite boyfriends. Uh, you guys are, I, I, we have, we don't have the results of the taping of this episode, but you guys have been pretty into Ben and uh, Riley. Hell yeah. I think it has a lot to do with my stethoscope emoji that I put in the poll. 
But um, they. Sorry. Oh my God! Right, Ben's stethoscope has already touched Riley's uh, chest. Nice. But the other piece of this scene that I just want to touch on, um, while I touch on both of their abs, um, <laughs> oh my God, or pecs maybe, um, is when Spike says. Sometimes I'm so jealous of you, essentially, and sometimes I think that I got the better deal. And he starts to really reason back and forth, like, you have her. You have your arms around her, but she's still not there. And that's so much worse, except she probably smells really good. Yeah. So actually, you know what? Never you mind. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got, got the better deal. Get into the stick. Um, and Riley kind of realizes in this conversation that... He, he is... I mean, I guess he doesn't fully realize, even as the helicopter is flying away... But he begins to realize that, like, this is not going to happen and and he's not going to get what he wants. And that Spike, as much as Spike is coming from a really complicated, conflicted place with his information, Spike he's still Spike, as we know, yeah, speaking of emotional IQs, like he has the, the broadest view of what's going on with everyone in this universe at any given time. You're not the long haul guy and you know it. You know it, otherwise you wouldn't be getting suck jobs from two-bit vampire trolls. <laughs> Which I assume is short for trollop? Maybe? Uh, if you're British and you know something, please let us know. And if I just said a thing that I shouldn't be repeating on a podcast... <laughs> sorry. So sorry. Okay, so... Whew, we'll leave these two at Spikes and they can take the time they need to work out what they need to work out off screen. So, we cut to... The training room inside of the magic box where Buffy is losing it on a punching bag. And um, I believe, Jenny, that she is wearing something while doing this activity that the one and the only Kate Leth will have something to say about it after quite a few episodes away from our beloved queen. Uh-huh. Let's go to Kate Leth. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Welcome back, everybody, after a little bit of an absence to Buffy Fashion Watch and to an episode I like to call Kate Cries Her Eyes Out, even though she's seen it about 400 times. Now, it's weird to do a fashion update for this particular episode because it is unbelievably tragic and uh, tear-inducing. So all I'm really going to comment on is the fact that Buffy wears uh, what I can only assume to be lined pleather camel-colored pants for a significant part of the episode including when she's training with a with a punching bag with a, with a heavy bag there which uh i i cannot possibly begin to understand so there's that but really anything you'd want to comment on in this episode despite anya having a very cute aubergine dress and us seeing the return of her perfect silk pajamas uh, Willow wearing an Argyle sweater and both her and Buffy wearing what the early 2000s uh, inflicted upon us as, a, I would say, calf-length skirts that usually had a slit all the way up the back or, in Willow's case, front. Despite those things happening, this episode is so fucking sad. And honestly, it is such a case for Sarah Michelle Gellar as an actress, you know, something that I've definitely commented on before, but... I mean, people talk about how iconic this character was. She is the reason that it's it's so iconic. It's not just the writing. It's not just the cast outside of her, but she's incredible. And this plot line with Riley is really difficult. She's coming out of this incredibly intense, but incredibly dark relationship with Angel. She finds Riley and he is this safe harbor. He's so sweet and, as she says, dependable. 
He's like a golden retriever. He is a puppy. And that's what she needs when it starts. She needs someone safe. But as Spike says later in this episode, she needs a little monster in her man. And this is a line that has stuck with me since this episode originally aired and has come up again in my head over and over and over as the years go by. Because I think like a lot of other people, when you come from these really intense but also traumatic situations, it can be so hard to be with somebody who's just nice. And nice isn't enough for her. At least not at this point in time. Maybe not ever. So I get it. But it's also so sad. And I love, I love her scene with Xander. I love that confrontation. It is very similar to a scene that we'll see with Xander next season. It's this moment of like, hey, I've known you forever. I've known your real deal. And you're making a mistake, or at least you're not confronting the way that you're treating this person in your life, these people in your life, or even yourself. And I think it's a really powerful moment but also so fucking sad. So honestly, if you've gotten through this episode for the first time or the 20th time, get yourself some ice cream. Have a break. Do a little self-care because we are only halfway into this season and it is not letting up anytime soon. I need some retail therapy. So until next time, I'll see you at the mall. That was our friend Kate. She gave you the puppy fashion update. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank well, you. Educational and also thought provoking. Full of feelings. Turn it and turn it. Full of feelings. Kate, uh, Kate, I mean, Kate's just obviously like a cornerstone piece of this production at this point. And I love that she knows that sometimes she should talk about fashion and sometimes she just gets to have a little mini podcast inside yeah. of a podcast. <gasps> podcast duckin as they <laughs> How many level? Okay, I'll worry about that on my own time. <laughs> Inception. So, uh, Riley shows up and he's like, "Hey, you two, Xander, Anya, can you clear out?" And and Anya's like, "Oh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Don't have to tell me twice. Hey, you should check out the uh, vault." <gasps> There's horse. a funny thing with the vaulting horse. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I would like to see it, is how I feel huh. about that. Um, Anya is like, you know, now that I've brought up the vaulting horse, Xander, do you want to go have sex? And Xander's like, I actually have something to take care of. Now, what do you think Xander has to take care of? He needs to go stand in the alley know, until that... Buffy and Riley fight, which she anticipates, and then wait for her to come out. And so You know what? Actually, Jenny, you, Maybe. you started to make that as a joke, but I wondered the same thing. Like, what is he taking care of? But you're probably exactly right. He's just waiting. He's yeah. waiting for the conversation to be over because he already knows what the conversation yeah. is. Um, meanwhile, in the training room, there is no sex oh my God. on the vaulting horse. Look at Xander go. Literally, the men in this show are stripping. Okay, ex excuse the... <laughs> just stop there. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're just like stripping the ladies for emotional IQ so hard. Well, they're like, they're yards and yards and yards ahead. Well, I have a few things. I, mean, I think Xander is does an incredible... This is a great episode for Xander, but... I do have a couple of things to say about Xander's sort of like high horse, not to be confused with the vaulting horse, uh -huh. but, the, but the high horse he kind of comes in on um, later, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait until we get there sequentially um, because, and also when you're outside of a situation, it's a lot easier to see it sure. than when you're inside of a situation. Um, but 
Buffy's like, I don't want to talk to you. And Riley's like, you know what? Too bad. Um, and normally I'd be like, fuck off, Riley. But I'm actually like, all right. You know, like he, he knows he has a helicopter happening at midnight. Yeah, he's got a time crunch. And also I imagine that if you're dating Buffy Summers, there's probably a lot of moments when you need to talk. And she's like, not right now because uh-huh. she's busy killing a demon or saving the world or whatever. Um, what I don't like is his physicality with her. Ooh, no, thank you. Very, very unfortunate in this scene, though. Um, when we talk about like, you know, a a person feeling like they are losing power, um, unfortunately uh, for a lot of people, the first step is to be physical because you feel that you are, that's the only way you can like manifest some form of control Mm, over mm -hmm. the situation. Uh, to be very clear, this is not my endorsement or approval of any of this at all, but I do think that it's an accurate picture of what often happens in relationship dynamics where there is um, a power uh, a struggle, if you will. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is also the scene w- that we already talked about where they very explicitly show the height difference between the two of them. Right. And Riley says a lot. He really does. Uh, he has a lot to say and he's just like processing and metabolizing and learning and ready to share. Yeah. Uh, He's like, you know, when this started with the vampires, I feel like I was just like being really immature and I like wanted to even the scales after you and Dracula. And I wanted to understand like what the like power situation was with you and Dracula, you and Angel, like these sort of like supernatural beyond human beings. And, you know, Riley used to be a Human plus. Human plus, but, but never quite. But never quite to that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, through this sort of like self-assessment, he kind of got to a place where he was like, I think these girls that I was seeing getting bitten by uh, gave me something that I wasn't getting from, from our relationship, which is that they made me feel needed. They needed me in a way that I've I have never felt yeah. from you. And he's also, what I like about this is that, you know, Buffy's response is accurately like, they, but that's it, it's not even like real. Like that they, you're a snack for them, like whatever. And and Riley immediately is like, I know. Like, yeah, I yeah. know it's not real. But, but it highlighted yes. what the deficit in their relationship was for him. And he says, which I think is really poignant, I know exactly how they feel because it's exactly Ugh. how I feel every time I'm with you. Um, I, I It's like the whole world falls away and all there is is you. Yeah. And and this is what Xander will give voice to in, you know, a, a later scene, which is essentially that Riley has been head over heels for Buffy and probably if he was getting the things that he was after, would have been more of a passionate partner for Buffy. But he hasn't been met with what he's bringing uh, to the table. Except for that one episode. With the boot? No, where oh, they the just sex had sex episode? all yeah. episode. Oh, God. Remember that fucking, the orgasm wall episode? Uh, yes. Um, And I also like that they address, because we've talked a lot about... The hospital. Oh. <laughs> uh... Not the hospital. Oh, okay. I know where you're going. Sorry. Uh, We have talked a lot about the fact that part of Riley's issue is that Buffy is stronger um, than him. And he says uh, that is actually not it. It isn't that you're stronger than me. But he does acknowledge that it's hard. Yes. And I I think boy. Yeah, I think it's a good, it's a really good scene, um, minus the physicality. Yeah, the, the physicality, 
is not great. I also love that they address the hospital thing where he says, like, you didn't even think to call me when your mom went to the hospital. And Buffy being Buffy internalizes that as like, oh, you needed me to take care of you while I was taking care of my mom. And it's like, no, dude, of course not. Like, I just want to be there for you, like doing whatever you need me to do. Like, even if you don't need me to do anything, even if you just need a compassionate presence, like. Right. But Buffy, Buffy survives by compartmentalization. And like, that is literally probably the only way she can exist is compartmentalization. And so, you know, I think what's clear to me in this, because because you want to say like, yeah, man, why didn't you call your boyfriend when your like mom was sick? Like, what's that all about? But I can see very clearly what that was about, which is like, when you are, when you have 50 things and you know, you can only, if, if she didn't look at Joyce and only Joyce in that moment, she would not have looked at Joyce at all. Right. Like she, she knows that she has to keep a hundred percent of her focus here, a hundred percent of her focus here. And what's a bummer for her and possibly her love life. We'll see where it goes in, in the future of the show, but is that usually there's so many fires that the last place, the last compartment, if you will, that she can get to is that one. Angel was complicated because he was integrated into the other levels and Riley is not as much. Um, And especially since the initiative is done and whatever, like he just gets the last licks. (laughs) Literally. Um, so also just a quick shout out to Riley's white t-shirt. He looks looks good. good. He looks Looks good. good. Um, Looks good. They're sending him out on a high note. (laughs) Um, this is the ultimatum, too. This is Right. Important. This is where he says, like, unless you give me a reason to stay, I'm leaving tonight. The military wants me back. There's this helicopter. It's a whole thing. And this is sad because, Riley, you can see that we all have moments in our lives when we know something, but we can't bring ourselves to accept the truth of the change. And it's very hard to watch both of them in this episode because you know that Buffy knows. Yeah. I don't care what she does at the end. She knows that Riley is not, that, that their relationship is not the right one. It's not the, it's not going to last. And yeah. Riley knows this, but Riley still wants it to work. He's, he's not saying I'm leaving because if he just trusted what he knew, he would say, I'm getting on, I'm leaving. But he says, just give me a reason, please. And which is the saddest thing of the ending of any relationship like this. Like, just give yeah. me, please give me a reason when you know you're not going to get the reason. You know she would have given it to you already. Okay. So the vamps come at Buffy in the alley. Of course. She's like, not today. Walk <laughs> away. I don't even want to kill you. Uh-huh. Please leave. They don't. She kills all of them. We talked about this a bit. Yeah, you think she's not going to kill the one girl? Then she does. Then she's like an Olympian Buffy Summers javelin toss. It is a javelin, right? I mean, it's yes. I mean, that's the the approximation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and kills this last vamp on the way out. She's wearing a great uh, red leather duster. Um, which I know a duster is called a duster because it dusts the floor. (laughs) But they also dust vamps in them all the time. Oh, yes. Okay, so also Spike and Angel both wear dusters, right? So, okay, so Xander, um, this is the Xander scene, right? And Xander, there's a lot here, too. Um, Xander is, I think, being an incredible friend. Um, the one thing that's, like, a little, it's, like, he's all, like, how did you not see it coming? And it's, like, would you have seen it coming? Thank it you. It wasn't, like, 
she'll never love me. That that was exactly when I referred to the high horse before and my issue. That is yeah. exactly what I meant. I was literally like, dude, when Riley said that to you several the episodes on the, your face, he was fucking floored. So, like, sir, yes, I agree. I think I I don't okay. like how he's like. How did you not see this coming? Because he was literally told verbatim that it was coming yeah. by Riley. But as a person in the relationship, I don't hold it against him for expecting Buffy to be a little bit more aware of what's going on in the relationship. And when I say that Xander's being a good friend, I think most of what I mean is that although he's not doing everything right, he's not, but he has told Anya that he needs time, that he needs to focus on something because he has been paying really close attention to Buffy and the fact that she's acting out. And that's not, I'm sure that it's on in the back of Giles's mind and Willow's mind. I don't think that it's like totally off their radar, but he is the one that's like, yo, this is bad. And I need to like get in here and have a conversation with her. Um, and I, and I, I just think it's, it's good. But mm-hmm. earlier when I said it reminded me of something. So I had a relationship of five years um, and that relationship, the the person that I was in that relationship's name with is Jen. So don't get confused. Um, I only date people who have derivations Uh of the name Jen. Um, But I dated Jen from when I was 23 to when I was 28. And about, so it was a five-year relationship and about two to three years into the relationship, it was time for the relationship to be over. And I remember my best friend at the time basically was Xander and was like, if this is over, you need to realize what that means. It means it's over forever. And like, it just like scared the shit out of me. Mm. And I essentially ran after the helicopter and was like, no, no, no. But my helicopter had not taken off yet. Mm -hmm. So then I wound up in a relationship for three more years that should have ended at the two year mark, but instead was five. So not to bring too much of my own stuff in here, but uh, as much as I'm here for Xander, I don't actually think that him telling her to run after that helicopter was the correct advice. And I don't think Well, that I she... guess it's sort of like what... It all depends on what Buffy wants out of a relationship and what Buffy can give to a relationship. And I think if Xander was giving that advice to most people, it would be the right advice. Yes. Yes. And maybe... Buffy would be better for it if she could let that kind of relationship really be in her life. Right. But he's hinging, and I think correctly, on like she was so broken after Angel that now she has an issue letting people completely in. Mm-hmm. The girl had to kill him with a sword. She is traumatized. And he, so, he loves to gloss over that. Right. And, and I'm like, you know, so his so his math is correct, mm-hmm. but also it is an unreasonable expectation to think that this girl may ever be able to let someone in as fully as she was with Angel, because that was not just a heartbreak. That was a serious trauma. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, it's it's wiggly. It's always wiggly because the, <laughs> the show is supernatural. And so, you know, her killing Angel is is a matter, you know, so where, which side of the line are we talking on kind of a deal? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, what I want to say in, in sum is that I am proud of Xander for what he is attempting to do, which is reach his his best friend, and help her see something that she can't see because she's really lost. And on the other side of that coin, I'm not quite sure that the direction he pointed her in before releasing her was maybe the, the correct one. Right. Not to his fault. Not yeah. Not to his fault. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, 
One thing that I wanted to say about this scene before we um, chase our copter, if you will, mm-hmm. is that Xander says to Buffy, if what he needs from you just isn't there, make it a clean. Well, this is uh, embarrassing. Yes. Uh, sorry, Jenny, but as soon as he said clean break, I was like, make it a fast cut. Mm-hmm. Make it a clean break. Okay. Make okay. it a fast cut. <laughs> make yep. it a... Okay. Doop, doop, yeah. doop, 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 doop. Okay. Ma'am? <laughs> this is an Arby's. Uh, <laughs> so Xander's like, run. Right. Just to, just to like round it out, some of his closing remarks include... That, you know, Buffy's been treating Riley like the rebound guy when really he's the one who comes around once in a lifetime. True. Uh, He's never (laughs) held back. He's risked everything. He's not the guy, as you say. Let him go. Mm -hmm. But if you can love this guy, then you have to think about what you're about to lose. And then she's like, she gets her Sarah Michelle Gellar wet eyes. And she's like, Mander. And he's like, run. It's really nice. It's nice. And then... Buffy runs, and this is an extended run scene where, and I and I didn't look at it shot for shot, but I would like to, and or maybe one of you will. But it seems like they are a bit doing a little bit of a parallel here to I Will Remember You, the episode of Angel, the crossover episode of Angel, because there is like a looking, like it's like Riley thinks he sees her at this one point, and then the camera looks over, and in the in I Will Remember You, you see Buffy see Angel, and they see each other, and mm. they like find each other, mm. whereas in this, of course, there is nothing. There's nobody there. She doesn't make it. Not a common thing. In a television series. I know, right? For you to see That's somebody run. Yeah, run and run and run. And guess what? Riley. And it's so sad. Well, it's too late. Not to not to echo Kate Leth from earlier, but it's so sad. It's, it's so sad to see him waiting there. Because he knows, like I said, he knows that it's not right anyway, but he still, yeah. he can't help but wait. And I think so many of us know that feeling. I have a hard time believing that he didn't look out the window of the helicopter one time, though. Uh, While they were flying away. Come on, guys. I know. If he if he was gonna do all that waiting, but what would he have done? I'm glad he didn't. He would have jumped. Yeah, he would have broken himself out of the helicopter. (laughs) She loves me. (laughs) (laughs) So the um helicopter gets aloft, if you will. It's very loud. So he cannot hear when Buffy arrives below the copter and shouts Riley. Riley and off he whisks away Uh and she may as well be wearing the overalls of sadness Uh in the next scene when she's walking down the street oh my god that mope (laughs) yeah Uh, or some Sarah McLaughlin but oh yeah I think that it's interesting though to think about Buffy's because I, I joke overalls of sadness and Sarah McLaughlin but this is not that um and I think that it might be even more sad that what Buffy's inner reflection could be we don't know we're not inside of her head but I think that her inner reflection here is more about the fact that this was right than it is about that it was a horrible loss 
Um, and what does that mean about mm. her? And what mm -hmm. does that mean for her future? And what does that mean? I, I think that we're getting to a point in the series where Buffy is becoming very aware of the fact that this is her life and that this is her only life mm. and that her job as the Slayer and what it puts her through is affecting absolutely every aspect of that life. Yeah. Uh, irreversibly. And that's uh, that when she sits down on the stairway later, when she's walking down the street, like that's what I saw um, in, in her was that kind of reflection as opposed to, you know, when she lost Angel, which was like first, first heartbreak, first loss, nothing will ever be okay ever again, but not that deeper pain or like more solidified pain mm -hmm. of like, ooh, I might be fucked up. <laughs> shit yeah um so anyhow let's we have a oh, positive place to go before we go there well uh, one other positive thing i just want to say looking back a couple scenes ago i forgot that i wanted to mention this when buffy and riley are having their last conversation when they're like really getting to the heart or he's really getting to the heart of the matter mark lucas is like doing some really great face work mm. he's doing this thing that i remember maybe in an, in an interview or a, a episode commentary or something. I remember Joss Whedon talking about like his favorite thing about Mark as an actor was that he had this like this like incredible stillness in his face sometimes. Mm. And that, that like to Joss that like uh, harkens back to, you know, like classic Hollywood actors. Mm. Uh, and I feel like he's really got a ton of it going on in this last scene that he has with Buffy. Mm -hmm. I, and I just want to shout it out. Yeah. Just shout it out. I can't wait until next week when we get to share our You're conversation with Mark. It. He's such a dream. It's so great. Um, but yeah, the positive place that I wanted to take us to is what this has done for Xander. Well, with the moment we've all been waiting for. The most, the most beautiful love in all the land. Um, let's let's actually go to the clip. I want to hear Xander say these things to Anya. I gotta say something, because I don't think I've made it clear. I'm in love with you. Powerfully, painfully in love. The things you do. The way you think, the way you move. I get excited every time I'm about to see you. You make me feel like I've never felt before in my life. Like a man. I just thought you might want to know. And what's nice about this, too, is that Xander, speaking of taking the magnifying glass and turning it back around on yourself, but Xander has realized that, that, that how he has called Buffy out, maybe he should take a bite of that cake and, you know, nice. <laughs> and go and tell Anya how he really, like, dig deep and get there. Yeah. Her face. Emma fucking Caulfield's fucking face is more than any one person can handle in mm -hmm. her fucking PJs. Uh-huh. With her... like do they have shoulder pads? <laughs> she is so in love with him. And you know, 
you might think here on this podcast that we would cast a side eye at like this line that Xander has. You make me feel like a man. No way, that rocks. It does. It's like I, I, I don't know. Maybe you didn't think we would cast a side eye, but I just took note of it that like this. The thing is that Xander hasn't ever felt like he can achieve the things that he's expected to achieve. Yeah, and he and he has put that in the vessel of being a man because that is often the vessel that it's put in, and and he's so let's face it he's surrounded by women who are stronger than him mm-hmm. and he you know he also like has that experience that's like always yeah in his active life and i think it's not just about that kind of being a man i think it's also like he doesn't feel like a little boy like, yes agree like his relationship with anya mm-hmm. for its many quirks yeah is like some real shit. Anya takes him more seriously than anyone absolutely on this show has ever taken him for various reasons. Willow w- would would lay down her life for Xander. There's no question. But Willow has known Xander for so long and sometimes when you know somebody for that long you can't see how they've grown. Um and you can't see how they've changed and so Anya has come to Xander's life at a point where she's able to see things in him that I don't think any of the rest of them can and and that is what is making him feel stronger and be better, be a better person. Because yeah. when people feel confident about themselves, they are often not assholes. Um, you know, um, sometimes they are, but Xander is not. <laughs> Why'd you point at me when you said something? they are? I wasn't pointing at you. What I was the hell? gesturing. <gasps> so anyhow. Um, Love this scene. It's really, it's really important. It's important. And it's a really big um, marker on the timeline of Xander and Anya, you know, because their relationship has been like fun, but now it's not just fun. Like Uh it's very, it's really reached a new level. Speaking of reaching new levels, Jenny, Uh (laughs) would you like to talk about sex and tension? Let's do it. Okay, here we are in a land uh, like no other. We have four choices for you. We've thought long and hard about them. Jenny suggested nominating Spike and Riley four times. Well, yes. And since we can't do that four times, let me just start by saying we're nominating them once because some romances are best served room temperature and straight out of the bottle, if you know what I mean. Wow. Yeah. We are also nominating Spike and Buffy, who have a considerable amount of tension in this episode. Uh, and we're giving it to them because they're we're not nominating any of Spike's nonsense. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but there is definite tension in this episode between these two. Hmm. Well, we're at it. No, I'm gonna, Jen, I'm, no, Jen, <laughs> she's looking at me across the room because she's like, you have to say the next one because I want to do the last one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, so. And also, if, every time I can put this, ver- like, this in your mouth instead of mine, it rude. feels like a victory. Do it. Rude. The third nominee is Riley and Buffy. Wow, I didn't know you were a roughy stand. Wow, roughy. <laughs> God, even the fucking ship name. Yeah, Ruffy or Biley. Biley. Those are your options. <laughs> Sorry. Um, They've got some tension. There's definitely tension, whether it overlaps completely in a sexual yeah. way. Unknown. Is unknown. Well, they do have a bunch of sex, though. They do, and, and it might be less than satisfying, which would cause tension. Oh. So they are our third nominee. Jenny, please tell the people who our fourth nominee is. Listen, you've heard 
the first, second, and third nominees, but have you considered, you know how the Transformers will sometimes all join up into one super Transformer that's yeah. way bigger and yeah. th- thus better? Are you saying that this nomination is more than meets the eye? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with two E's, with an E and an A. <laughs> uh, in the fourth slot, as uh, if you will. Uh, I will. Uh, we offer unto you humbly... For perhaps the last time it might ever be available to us all, Buffy, in a Riley and Spike sandwich. Or, or considering the height differentials, maybe Spike. I think No, a, maybe uh, Riley in the middle. Spike and Buffy on either side. No, no. I think it's... We're going to have to have a whole other vote for this. I think it's <laughs> Spike in the middle. Mm, Spike in the middle. Because... Oh, so just in height order then. Yes. Chick, chick, chick. <laughs> Yeah, like little nesting dolls. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, so please, please, please consider your social responsibility. Participate in our beautiful democracy and vote, 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 vote in the poll. It will be up on our Twitter at BufferingCast for one week. Voting begins now. Hurry. <laughs> this sale Vote won't for number last. four. Go four. Go four. Pick four. Well, here well, we are. Well, Riley. Uh, the chopper. There's a beautiful, already. I promised to put this on the internet. There's a beautiful screen grab that I took where they crossfade um, <laughs> Riley in the chopper and Buffy sat at home. Oh and so God. you. there's a moment when you see them both and the closed captioning just says, um, helicopter blades whirring. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll, I'll put that up on the internet. The true song of sadness. We can all enjoy that. Um, but yeah, this is a big episode. Um, yeah. And as Kate made mention to, uh, it's a sad episode. It's a hard episode. And guess what? We're sliding down a hill. We're sliding <laughs> down a hill. Somebody save us. Do we do 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 But we have a couple of really fun episodes headed your way. We've got some fun guests on Triangle and Checkpoint, which Ooh, are the next two episodes. You don't even know. Holy shit. Um, and yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Well, should then. I play? Should I play Riley's jingle as he leaves? Or is that mean? That's mean. Yeah, you're right. Kick him while he's okay, down. let me see if I can rewrite it live in real time. Uh-huh. Riley, sometimes you weren't that bad. Riley, you had needs that Buffy couldn't meet. Riley, you are very <clears throat> attractive. Would you consider, Riley, you weren't always that bad. Buffy couldn't meet needs that you had. Oh, yeah. And then what was your next line? Um, You are very attractive and we... We will miss you. I think, uh, I kind of fell apart at and, the end. And we bid you adieu. Can you sing that? <laughs> and we bid you adieu. <laughs> Beautiful. Two natural talents in one room, uh-huh, uh-huh. live composing uh-huh. a song for you. Wow. Pat each other on our backs and um, tell them where they can find you. Where will you be patting yourself on your back? Oh, my word. Well, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and uh, when I'm not making this podcast, I'm making music. You can listen to it and learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com. You can also give me a shout on Twitter at JennyOwenYoungs. And furthermore, you could 
listen to my new EP. It's called Night Shift. It's on all digital platforms. You can find vinyl and CDs on my website. You can hear me talk a lot more about another petite blonde protagonist on Veronica Mars Investigations, my other podcast. Make it a night shift. Okay. Make it a... Mm-hmm. My name is Kristen Russo, <laughs> and you can find more about the work that I do with LGBTQ communities uh, over on my website, kristinnoline.com. Uh, that's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And you can use that spelling to find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, you can also hear what is probably one of the very last episodes of my podcast with Joanna Robinson on my so-called life. Uh, we had an incredible, fun interview with Vanessa Bayer. The best. Uh, who is is a huge fan of the show recently. It was really, really fun to talk to her, and it's a great episode. A lot of fun celeb stories from one Vanessa Bayer. <laughs> uh, so check that out. And um, yeah, who are we? We're Buffering the Vampire Slayer, as you may already know. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at area code 21630-BUFFY. <laughs> Uh, you can support our work on Patreon. Uh, you can find out all of the ways that you can support our work over at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Find our Patreon there. Find our store there where you can buy our merchandise. And I'm pretty sure we have a really cool fucking new shirt in the store yeah. as of this episode. Uh, so go check that out. Um, and if you want, you can leave us a review on iTunes. That always helps. Uh, and we love you. We care about you. And until next time. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, I just like it's it's more fun to piss you off when I can see your face. So since Even. I'm in the same, it's not often that Jenny and I are in the same room recording anymore. Tramping all over my lines lately. <laughs> A lot of liberties being taken. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, till next time. Uh, uh, Bye, Riley. Oh.
Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.